0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Char McCain, a forensics counsellor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic and UFO experiencer. Char introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain.
1: Hello everybody, this is Shawn McCain talking to you live from Los Angeles, California, where there's a street chase going on right now with a white SUV, and it doesn't look like it's going too fast for me, but everybody is chasing that sucker. But anyway, I would like to also put a word out to Greece and Turkey. They had a, a huge earthquake tonight, and uh, you know they're trying to get people out as we speak, and so far, there's just been 16 casualties, but a, a bunch of buildings came down, and Uh, Our thoughts and prayers go out to Greece and Turkey, and uh, God bless them. And uh, then for really exciting news, we have Jason Hewlett, Director of the Paranormal Investigations and the show We Want to Believe. We, he will discuss his series and his research, including the truth versus myth of paranormal investigations, as well as other high strangeness. He'll be discussing his series and career as a paranormal investigator and working with Peter Wren, of Vancouver Paranormal Society. Jason is a journalist, podcaster and podcaster with a degree in filmmaking and film series. He has more than a decade of experience as an investigator and a researcher. And he's experienced paranormal phenomena since his childhood, and, and he went on his first ghost hunt in 2003. I still have yet to go on a ghost hunt. But anyway, Jason conducted his own investigations of joining Vancouver Paranormal Society in 2017, where he is now a lead investigator and society director. So without further ado, we're going to welcome Jason Live from the Paranormal and the Sacred hey Jason how you doing hey, how
0: are you I'm good how are you a, I know it took us
1: uh, the little spinning wheel of death was going on I was like oh, oh no you know, I hate it when that happens and it never happens I know right it's, it's, it, right? it's, it's hell <laughs> it's and then uh you know it often happens when I'm doing specifically ghost researchers it's like a uh, shows it's almost like it's a uh little whammy but i ignored it i kept pushing <laughs> the damn little red button and uh so you came on i'm really happy to have you with us tonight
2: well i'm excited to be here especially like on the evening before halloween like i think that's pretty yes. uh that's pretty cool as we say up here in canada so <laughs> it's, it's a good way I to know. celebrate
1: how, how nice uh, i really love you the Canadians. Uh, My grandfather was from Nova Scotia, and uh, he was amazing and insightful. And I think he he passed away before I was born, but he has come to me many times in my dreams, and he sort of let me – one time he was holding me as a baby, and I think he was letting me know that he's been watching over me all my life. So I feel very much in touch with the northern country, northern regions.
2: That's awesome. That's very awesome, and, and, and that's a neat sort of way to kind of connect, you know, with a, a grandfather you never got to meet, right?
1: Yes, yeah, he died cool. when my my dad was fifteen, so it's really strange. And uh, but he he shows up every now and then, just giving me this this love and support, and and he always looks just about the same. So uh, he was uh, quite a pro- hard worker, Iceman. He was he was the mm-hmm. The one that carried the ice up to the ice boxes, up and down all those flights of stairs, back east. And uh so be he left home job. when he was fifteen. <laughs> yeah, brutal. And he left yeah. home when he was fifteen and he moved to uh Massachusetts and that's where my dad was born and that's what they did, ice.
2: Yeah, well and that was a huge industry, and you just did it. You picked up the ice with whatever tool or you implement or even yourself and you just hauled it to wherever it had to go, right? Big chunks of ice.
1: Exactly. And he did it so long that he graduated from the ice trucks with the car with the with the horses to the cars the trucks.
0: Oh wow! So when <laughs> he when started time.
1: driving truck, I know. So when he started the truck thing, he took my uncle Louie with him, and uh, that's where I heard all the stories of the talking in Gaelic and singing and everything while he was hauling ice, and uh, very kind of incredible the the stories of uh, how people you know, immigrated, and it got to wherever they're going, so I have a lot of it my family, but um, now today, this is my 460th show that I'm welcoming you on, and I'm very uh, proud and excited, and uh, you were greatly recommended to me by Michelle, so I'm very oh, okay. excited to have you on the <laughs> show, so do you want to tell us something about your first, very first paranormal experiences, and uh, where you were living at that time?
2: Well, I was, my first one I can remember, I was probably five or six, and it stuck with me. I was, I live up in a place, I grew up in a place called uh, Kamloops, British Columbia. We're about three and a half hours northeast of Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, one day we were going to go pick up a friend of mine. I was with my mom to pick up a friend who was going to sleep over. And so we were parked out in front of his house. He, my friend was in the house and I was waiting in the car while my mom was talking to, to my friend's mom. And I can remember just sort of looking around and it was, a, I don't know if you remember the, new these cars, they're like a, they're a—they're called a Gremlin. They look kind of like a Pinto. Oh hatchback. yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. They're horrible. <laughs> um, and I was sitting in the The back. horrible lime green Gremlins. My This was a purple, so it was even one step cool. worse, I think, in my mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was looking around. And I was in the back, and he said look around the hatchback. And then suddenly this face appeared. And it was this horrible, mongoloid kind of face that just came from out of nowhere, flashed in there, freaked the heck out of me, and then just disappeared, like in front of my eyes. There was no one on the street. There was no one around. And I, was, I scared so much that I dove to the floor of the, the car until I heard footsteps. And I looked up, and it was my friend coming from his house. Now, his—we were parked facing his house, so like the, the passenger side faced the house. That's the direction he came. The face I saw was through the back hatchback down the street, so facing down the street. There's no one around. And so I asked him, like, "Did we just mess around outside?" He says, "No, I just got here." And I could I just had heard him come up. And then we looked, and there's no one around and I, I can't explain it, but I can still envision the face to this day. I'm 48. So, you know, do the math <laughs> it was a long time ago. And for whatever reason, that's just, it stuck with me because it was something that appeared out of nowhere, lasted a microsecond and disappeared, but it burned itself into my brain. And that's kind of the earliest such encounter that I had. Um, the was next on the one outside that really, of the
1: car or the inside of out, the
2: car. It's hard outside? to say on the outside. It looked on the outside, almost on the glass. Do You know what I mean? Like, like right boom, there. And it was like there and gone. So like a flash of something. Long enough to register in the mind and then just be gone enough mm-hmm. to scare me that I dove to the floor. Uh, I never saw it again. Can't explain. I didn't hear anyone running around. You know what I mean? Like I've got over the years, I've tried to think about it. You know, yes. what that could have been. But nothing. It was just there and gone. Um, so that one stuck. And then about probably about another, it was about 12 or 13 when the next thing happened. And my family had a cabin at a lake that's about an hour uh, east of town in the woods um this is bigfoot country that we live in um and i was allowed my parents weren't helicopter parents i grew up late 70s early 80s so you just kind of did whatever you felt like and so we were always playing out in the woods my friends and i who had come out to the lake with me um and we were out one day after dinner playing we figured we need to better get back and there's just always this route that we took it was a path and we followed it like every time we'd go into the woods and every time we'd go out of the woods. And on the way back, we're passing this one tree that we'd just passed maybe about an hour or so earlier. And for whatever reason, looked down and underneath the tree, there was this little lean-to with a bone inside of it and a fire pit, a small fire pit. It wasn't there when we walked up. It was just there. We both stopped and looked at it and took a look and it's like that's crazy. And it looked like it had been there for a while sunset and we got kind of freaked out and we're like we better we should get out of here let's go we went back to the cabin and it was something we talked about all night you know what i mean like you know 12 year olds 13 year olds like wow that's just great what was that and blah 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 so the next morning as soon as we kind of got up we went back and there was nothing there there was no sign that anything had been there the ground wasn't disturbed in fact it was covered with pine needles and i to this, could not explain that and those two things really launched my interest in what's happening around us what do
1: you think happened there?
2: That could be, I mean, it depends. Like if you believe sort of indigenous folk tales, they always talk of, you know, there's not just like a Bigfoot in the woods. There's like little people and tricksters and all this kind of stuff. So maybe it was something like that. I mean, my, my rational brain wants to say some kid built it and then came back and knocked it all down, but it doesn't explain the perfect, you know, pine needles. You know what I mean?
0: There's yeah. No disturbed
2: ground. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what that was. I mean, I told a friend of mine who is who's First Nations, and he says, Dude, that was the little people. And obviously, like, the stories are they come out and they roam around, and then at night they go back to their hiding holes, which is in the caves and on the ground. And he said, That's probably one that didn't make it home. So, he decided to set up camp and cough in the morning when the sun came up. Uh, I, I don't know. That's just one of the, and that's just like, a, it's like so much of this stuff. Like, you can, there's only really theories to explain it. Um, Yeah. No hard. There's no hard evidence you could put into a court of law. But I mean, I was there with a friend of mine. He and I still talked about it to this day. Uh, We know what we saw. And it was the same with the face in the mirror, even though no one else saw it. I know what I saw. Uh, I can still see it if I stop and think about it, you know, and it's it's so. And those were just kind of the, the beginnings of, you know, it's become kind of a lifelong. It was like a hobby for the longest time, just sort of studying you know the, the paranormal whenever I had the chance never really taking it seriously sort of until connecting you know with Vancouver Paranormal in, in 2017 um, but it sure kicked off just an in interest because that's two big things for at a young age to kind of experience um, that you just could plus
1: have a witness he had one he had a witness to the second one so to me that's a big deal because uh, I've experienced plenty of stuff by myself, but for Mm -hmm. some major stuff, uh, even recently, I've experienced it with some other person experiencing it too. You know, some some of this stuff, I don't know whether to think it's interdimensional or like what your First Nations friend said, that it's uh, the little people. But why would you see a a little setting like that and then it disappear? Yeah. you
2: You see what I'm saying? It's almost yeah, like interdimensional.
1: Now you see it, now you don't.
2: And that's stuff that I've, you know, you start hearing about as you look into it more, right? Like there's a big yeah. belief system that it's all interdimensional stuff. And, you know, it's there and it's gone. Like it phases in and it phases out, right? Like, you know, the, I mean, even science is looking at, you know, multidimensional and string theory and all this stuff. And so that, and that's, that's a natural thing. Like that's not supernatural. That's just a natural phenomenon. We just don't understand it yet, right? And that's sort of what my work in the term was leading me towards. It's it's something quite natural. We just don't get it. (laughs) We just can't grasp it yet.
1: Well, we've been taught – I don't know what your upbringing was, but although my uh, mother was pretty superstitious because her parents are from Greece, but uh, my dad just said none of of that existed. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you get – you no, know, either it was to me. I knew something was going on, but even though my mother, she was going to card readers and doing all this stuff, and I would, I would actually wonder if that was the right thing to do. Not, I was almost like the parent over my mother,
0: you know. So okay. Was, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So then my mother went way <laughs> out of hand with some of this crap. She would, she would put burn people's pictures in effigy. Uh,
0: she oh, wow. one time I
1: came home from school and there was like a frozen chicken hanging on the neighbor's door, door on the door wow, door. okay. And I And wa- I walked to <laughs> the house, and I'll never forget because I was in high school. I never forget. I went, Ma, you know, I don't think it's it works with the chicken's frozen.
0: No, it's got to be fresh. I <laughs> just have a fresh,
1: unplucked. You know, but th- there was a damn thing hanging by the bag, a frozen chicken on their door. She because people. Now I know she's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. this this never stopped. But I always thought, well, maybe, you know, she knows something's going on. But now I realize she had things bugging her, but it wasn't quite um, – it reminded me of something. This, she moved it to these brand-new apartments, and they're in San Pedro. And uh, this is uh, – she had said to this poor – uh Keeper, you know he did he was a groundsman and did all that uh she accused him of of stealing her keys, a whole set of keys oh, wow. and um, so she put a recording on so she could record who was coming in and out of her house, her apartment, and she played the recording back to me. I don't know what she did with it after she played it, but it was pretty bad. It was a it sounded like a wolf going just like that. Really? Yes, yeah, so it gives me the chills to even say it now. I think she destroyed it, but then I realized, you know, she might have something else following her around. She thinks it's people. And I'm telling you, like ten years later she said, Oh, guess what I found? After the guy lost his job and everything uh, I found the set of keys in a box and blah blah blah. I said, "Mom, how do, now? How do, how do you feel now that you said that about that guy you accused of all that and lost his job? You know, but um, I think she was being tormented in a way by something. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it makes you wonder, right? Like, what, yeah, when people talk about like there, like people talk about." people being crazy <laughs> you know what i mean but how much yes. of that is that or is it something else influencing i mean i I've, i worked i did like you know social work and employment so i understand mental health i get all of that
0: yes. and i think
2: yes. that's one of the questions even as a paranormal investigator before we investigate is we want to know someone's mental health history because that can legitimately impact their perception of what's going on but sometimes, I don't think it's all the time, but sometimes, a rare amount of the time, it could be something else influencing the person, right? Like that's that's sort of how yeah. I approach these this, this subject matter that way. Um, not all the time and not often, but I think there are times when, especially like when you mentioned stories like you were just telling me, right? Like it just makes you mm-hmm. pause and think about it in a different way.
1: Yeah, that did. It made me... Think that I think something else is harassing my mother, and it's not who she, it's not people, it's not who she thinks it is. But to hear that growl, it didn't sound like me, it sounded like a big wolf, mm-hmm. huge growl. You know, it was pretty horrible.
2: And where would that and come she, from? That's that's what she was any big wolves that was an
1: right? I know, where would it come from?
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, the, it's yeah. she just happened to be recording because of that man she thought it was. It was, you know, maybe these people, maybe. I don't know what to even say about that. It still uh, makes me wonder to this day, you know, because she's still kind of – she's more – a little more at peace with herself. She goes to church Mm -hmm. a lot and stuff like that, you know, but there's still something bugging her. Maybe people, you know, have something – I don't know. They talk about attachments and stuff like that. I hesitate to say that about anybody, but maybe some people – It does come up, though. It does
2: come up It makes, you, it makes okay. me wonder Attachments are just being are just Yeah, being followed You know what I mean? Like not even like attachments But some people I think Are just magnets for stuff um, And that kind of always gives me Makes me curious as well
1: Well, she was so into this stuff That she had me as, as a young teen Going to Edgar Casey classes And she was uh, going and having her cards She was so really into all that I went to those classes with her you know, but I already had a ESP working, and uh, I said, "There's something wrong here." You know, and she mm-hmm. said, "Well, you have to come with me." And blah blah blah. I said, "No, I'm not coming with you anymore." And the leader of that class killed himself. She came back and told me he not only killed himself, he left a note in the bath in the bathtub with him. There is no God, and and he wow. was not telling he was not telling the truth. This is how dark this guy was. And uh, at least, you know, growing up, I could protect myself because I knew about all this stuff. You know, especially hanging around with my mother, who kept dabbling. To me, that's what she was doing, and she really had a little control over what she was doing because you can take an inch and, and you know, give them an inch and they'll take a mile. As far as I'm concerned, so that's well, why. Well, as soon I as you hesitate. dabble, you,
2: yeah, yeah, you you dabble, you invite right? And that's something I learned early on. You you kind of mess with this stuff thinking it's a parlor trick, you know, or a game, party game, Um, and that creates its whole world of problems (laughs) because you're not taking it seriously and you're not protecting yourself, right? Yeah. It's like what you're inviting in, uh, you know, for lack of a better word. And that's where that can happen. And I've heard many times that people do become tormented after.
1: Just wow, huh? Well, yeah. well, give me some of your. Uh, just uh, just remi- It just reminded me of so much stuff that uh, that I I was I I knew stuff was going on, but I was sort of like an empathic little kid. So I I knew I knew God loved me. I I knew when my mother wanted me. You know what I mean? And I would come to her mm-hmm. without her calling me, and it kind of scared her. So her impression of me was scared, and she just stayed like that, really. So she's always been leery of me. Because I I know what's going on with her and with my sisters all the time. I have a bunch of sisters, I have four sisters. I know what everybody's doing all the time, you know, and it's not that I'm um, meditating on it. I just, they're part of some kind of, they're your family, but they're also in my circle. So anybody's in my circle, I know
2: what's up all the time. I've kind of you recently know. discovered I'm a bit empathic myself. <laughs> you pick up the vibes yes. of people and places and things like that. And as a journalist, it actually I didn't know what it was, but it served me really well as a journalist. You know, Going exactly. to find the right person to talk to and that. But, yeah, I, I've recently kind of tuned in that that's kind of what's going on. So I understand what you're saying, right? And it can kind of freak people out a bit. Yeah, it can it
1: can because <laughs> it's kind of abrupt cuz then, then I tell people stuff, let's say I'm talking to them about what's what's happening and what's going to happen and blah, blah blah. And then I wondered is it is it my delivery <laughs> this is yeah. <laughs>
0: are you very sh-
2: are you very abrupt and yeah, like I, yeah like, I don't like, know. Like, geez, like, no, no, no. It's like this, I, and then he just get mad at you. But like, this is
1: what it is. <laughs> I know, but this is it. Like I'm just t- okay. Because yeah. one friend of mine, she had become like handicapped. She lost her eyesight. She had glaucoma, and she's really getting down to where she's just almost losing the other eye. So, anyway, I told her. I said, unfortunately, and I do her hair. So I said, unfortunately, now you're a target, so I want you to stop carrying your purse, and I told her what to do, and I said, and she said, well, then my class, they said, you know, just comply, I went, don't comply, if somebody, <laughs> if somebody wants you, throw your purse one way, the key's the other way, and lay down, they can't pick you up, you know what I mean, just don't go, yeah, do. <laughs> don't easily go, with that. I try, I tried to drill it in her head. Okay, so she's sitting in where you, a place her husband had just walked her to the door, so she got in the car to an access, you know, where they take you up to Braille Institute and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she sat there and she said, This happened. She sat there, and I said, Well, did you lock the back door, or where's the window down, or no, I'm just sat there, blah, 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 blah. She said, He sat there for so long that she told the man, Do you mind? Uh, going. I'm in a hurry. I have to try to get to my class. She even had to tell him that. And then pretty soon, somebody breaks into the car, opens her side of the car, and steals her purse and her keys, Always. everything, her money, her checkbook, and all. Now, don't you think that was a setup? But I had told that her. That sounds
2: totally like a setup. Yeah.
1: And she, and she denies it's a setup, too. So I was over there a couple weeks ago doing her hair again. And I said, <laughs> you know what? Stop carrying your purse. Carry one of those fanny packs. And Or something like that. Just don't carry your stuff in your purse anymore. And she kept, uh, like, denying it. I said, I told you we had the same conversation the last time that happened in the car. Now, is there a way (laughs) I can tell you that you'll listen to me? Really, it's the first time I directly asked somebody that. Because I'm thinking, this poor girl is a sitting duck. And I, and can I give it to her in a way she'll listen, but no, it was kind of like a little harsh word between us. But then I felt like at least I told her and then I just went home. But isn't it peculiar?
2: It is. It is. But I mean, there you go. You called it right. Perfectly.
1: I called it again. Perfectly. But she, I said, don't go. She says, well, I'm not going to go. I told her husband, I said, don't let her go anywhere by herself anymore. You know, because these people are so cruel, because you see uh, poor old women, oh, my God, that are dragged halfway down the street because they won't let go of their purse. They can't let go of their purse. They don't even know how to do that. Some of those poor Mm old ladies hang on for dear life, and they're dragging them and kicking them and beating them. I'm like, oh, my God.
2: Just let it go and get another one. Let the (laughs) The purse go and don't.
1: Exactly. Keep a yeah. keep a fake purse with you and throw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just don't don't make anything so obvious because uh the world has gotten harsh, you know, like we're getting ready, we've been shut down all this time since March. And I feel like uh, the this uh coronavirus that we're in the middle of, it's reactivating again. So people are getting shut down again. You know, and people are going to be here, staying in. Candidate. So, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So, if people are getting kind of desperate that the criminals don't have anybody to. There's nobody out there. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, the cash <laughs> flow is.
1: That's what I'm saying. So, you know, people have to be even more aware because you know, I I like the fresh open air. I love my windows open. I love my doors open. Everything else, but recently I said, you know, Shar, just start shutting on. Even the dog feels yeah. better with the doors shut and locked, you it know, because she, I mean, she's she's on you...
2: high alert. I and mean, we all are. I think well, everyone's on an extra bit of high alert right now, just given the state of the world, right? I mean, it's all going to end eventually, but the longer you live in a state like this, the more it wears on you, even if you're not aware of it, and you become tenser, right? So. Yes.
1: So you have at least you have your family there, you know, and the people yeah, by you, themselves, yes. you know, it's it's really a drag. It really is. It would be. To wear I couldn't imagine. Me. Yeah, I couldn't. Thank God I don't live in a haunted house. Because I'm only saying that because. Well, <laughs> well, what I'm saying is every house I've ever lived in Southern California is haunted, except for this one I'm in. As soon as I Legal. moved in here, I went, "Oh, good, no activity," even though it's. Was built in 1920, but right That's away I put a home altar on. I know I put a home altar on, and I got incense and candles going every single day. So I haven't. I've had strange sightings. That doesn't mean the UFOs and stuff like that stop. But I don't have yeah. any ghost things. I have the interdimensional things. I don't. I hesitate to, you know. Talk to you about all of it, really. Oh, well, you don't? Well, anyway, any that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying.
2: Let sleeping dogs, werewolves, and go yeah. live. And UFOs as well.
1: Yes. So, in your experiences, so now, you, well, you know that the paranormal is a real thing. You know, have you ever experienced something you thought you couldn't handle?
2: The closest would have to be like all of it. All of, the, the funny thing is, and it, it, every the, doing the investigations is with Par- Vancouver Paranormal with Peter, and even the stuff on the show that we do with our cases. Yeah, most of it, it, it's real easy to handle. Like you just you just kind of go half the time. You're like, that's cool, even though it's a bit you know startling or something. But it, it's more exciting. But I had one incident happen to me. Um, where I was out at a place called Tronchial Sanitarium, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It was an old mental, it was a tuberculosis clinic that became a mental institution that closed in the 80s when they shut all of them down in Canada, basically, and, and so that sent all the patients out on the streets. Um, and it quickly developed a reputation as these places would, right? Because horrible things happened mm-hmm. there, people were, were mistreated, that kind of thing. Um, so I went out there with a friend of mine named Donna, who is a psychic. And we were kind of doing our own little walkabout and investigation. And we did it during the day, being, you know, just taking extra precautions and stuff like that. And we'd gone into the tunnel system. And it had a tunnel system because where I live in the winters, you used to get tons of snow. Like, you could you know, so much that to go from building to building would be a chore. So they built these tunnels to move patients and supplies and food back and forth. So we'd gone down into the tunnels. and We were coming up in a facility called the laundry room. And we were kind of like, okay, well, it's getting late. We should probably head back. Our time is almost up. And instead of walking across the grounds, we figured, let's just go back through the tunnels the way we came. So I'm like, okay. Turned around. I opened the door. Got it three-quarters of the way open. And then the door slammed shut with enough force that I was pulled off my feet and hit the door. And I'm 6'1", about 180, 185, depending on the day. We'd just come through this door like a minute or two before that. No trouble. There's no draft. There's nothing. And And there was something. Pulled the door shut with enough force to pull me off my feet. Donna screamed and ran. I don't blame her.
0: My and God. I wasn't
2: actually that far behind because I, that was the only time I've ever felt scared because it was sudden. It was with so much force that I could feel it. I, you know, I was pulled, I just, and I hit it physically and I hit a door. I knew, you know what that's like if someone pulls you with enough force and this something. Was oh, like yeah. That. So that is the only that's time scary. I come closest to saying I, I wasn't, I couldn't handle it. It rattled me enough. Um, and for the longest time, I just didn't even and do anything, have anything to do with the paranormal for quite a while after that. That was like 2004 and it was a number of years because that was just, I just did not want to think about it. Did not want to deal with yeah. it. It was about a good yeah, number of four years. Uh, it
1: now. is. That's a, that's when something is so strange happens that you don't want to, uh, acknowledge it or deal with it or, you know, uh. I've had so many things happen, and I thank God that the last couple of years I've had witnesses to it. That, you know, because I would think, you know, I maybe people are saying like the 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 veil is sinning, and they're mm-hmm. saying stuff like that 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 uh, the world is going to end pretty soon. And I don't, I think something's gearing up. I I knew the day that the shutdown was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Me and a friend were actually mm-hmm. talking on the phone, and uh, we were actually in the middle of conversation, Went to the ga- drove dro- dro- to the gas station. It was very peculiar. I was at the gas station, and I remember looking at this guy. You know, everything's electronics now, mm-hmm. and all his electronics, and I'm still talking to my friend Curtis on the phone, and all his electronics shut down. And I, and uh, the guy freaked and he started sweating so much sweat was rolling off his arms. And I, really? I said Curtis hold on I said Curtis hold on, because we we're having a conversation. How is this shutdown going to happen? I swear to you I swear to God I swear to I swear wow. to God and I'm crossing, and I'm crossing myself. Okay, so I tell the young guy I said sir, if you don't calm down it's not going to come back on. I said it just like that yeah. <laughs> because I have a lot of hard time with electronics. You know, I'm like one of those little electrical people. So I said, yeah. uh, "Sir, stay calm." I started talking to him just like that, and boom, they all came back on. I said, Whew, "That was." I said, "He said." I said, "So we're to continue our conversation, Curtis." He said, "That's is that the way it's going to happen?" I said, "Yeah, it's just going to shut down." I think I better go back home. So I did. Yeah. I got my gas and I filled up the tank. Went back home. Did did actually the girl I was talking about. I went over her house because I thought, okay, I'm only gonna be able to do one more thing, in public. So I went to do her yeah. hair and I said, I won't be seeing you for a little while. She said, well, what's going on? I said, well, I think we're shutting down. She, nobody knew what I was talking about yeah. until the shutdown happened. And me and my friend were screaming over the phone. I didn't know it was gonna be in the whole world. We didn't have <laughs> any concept. Of the whole world shutting down, it would not be in our, our – we knew it was shutting down here. I yeah. did not – and I could even say there was different res- in respect to why it would be shutting down. You could say, okay, well, the factory blew up, or you could say whatever. But for the whole world to do at the same time – so I knew I had just a batter of like one, two days. That was it. That was March yeah. 3rd this happened.
2: When did you guys so – we was were on, on the 13th, 14th here in March thirteenth, fourteen. Well soon after yeah.
1: well our numb skull of a president was dragging his heels. He said there is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. And we all knew uh, everybody I know I told there something's wrong. Get I said get your medicine. I did not mention toilet paper specifically. I just said I just yeah. said supplies. You know, we're gonna be living in a time where we can tell our kids, remember when we had the big toilet paper scare? Oh, know,
2: yeah. just, it, we're going to be with my crazy. son. Remember the year that you've spent at home, basically? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I remember that? For There's a no in Like you know, he's he'll it, have, he's enough life in to our, out of him that it's not an issue. But you know,
1: Jason, in our lifetime, we've never been taken out of school permanently. Never, never,
2: never. <laughs> I wish we had, but we they never. They couldn't had. wait <laughs> to get <laughs> rid of
1: us. I would have loved That's it. Right. But these kids, these poor kids are so smart. they they're really smarter than I was because I would have taken any opportunity not to be in school. As a matter of fact, yeah. I did. I, I left a very early age. I, I, was, I had to go to school later. But, uh, you know, these kids are so smart. They want to be there. I don't get these kids.
0: Why do they want to be there?
1: Because <laughs> I think they're I, – I think I know they're going to be the real leaders of this world. Oh, you know I what think. I mean? So they're they're so going to have to be yeah. plenty – they're going to have to be plenty smart, and they are. They think of things that, you know, it took me my lifetime to think of.
2: You know, and they're they're ahead of the game. Oh, big time, big time. My, my I, son is I love so him. sharp in technology and all that. It's crazy. Oh, you yeah. He knows it's and nothing. understands yes. Yeah.
1: I'm pre cell phone. That's how old I am. You know what I mean? Well, me so too. I remember uh, yeah, yeah. not having a cell phone. You couldn't call from car to car unless you remember had a big brick. Yeah, the rotary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you there's no answering machine. If you wanted to
2: call, you called back. Like,
1: nothing. <laughs> One time, my, <laughs> my grandson handed me his phone. He said, Grandma, what's this? And I listened. It was a busy signal. He had never heard a busy signal. Oh, wow. <laughs> he didn't know what a busy signal is. was crazy. Like, no, that's so no they're not going we to actually know our world.
2: No, ours is so different from what we grew up with, right? Like, it's a completely different reality now compared to, you know, growing up. I was born in 72. So, yeah, yeah. night and day different, I'm bringing a child up now. Night
1: and day yeah, because we were all free rangers back then. <laughs> That's why.
2: Right. Mhm. Oh, completely.
1: We were. Completely. were. Did they ask us to come in well for dinner? But other than that, get the hell out of here. You're gone yeah, all, yeah, day, all day, every day. Yeah. And like you, I spent a lot of, when I was back east, I spent a lot of times in the woods. I actually followed a path in and out. And uh, I, I found my most happiest days were in the woods.
0: You know, mm-hmm. no, cause, I still uh, I'm not going to yeah. go
1: into my. Yes, to me, uh, camping is bliss. You know, I'm really That's my real self when I do that. Yeah. Yeah, same, so I, don't have same. Kind of I love it. Well, it's it's when I'm my real self. You go to you go to sleep and read by candlelight if you want to go to read anything after dark and you get up when it's. I mean, it really uh, camping really straightens out whatever my issues are.
2: You Same. know, <laughs> big time.
1: <laughs> so if somebody was smart dealing with me. They go, "Don't you think it's about time you went camping?" Oh yeah, I forgot. Let me. I'm to go. get out of here. <laughs> you know, so just straighten out yourself over a weekend, really, because I would take the kids, and I didn't even have a destination. I would pack up a, you know, when it was I had my VW it would be in the front, but I'd pack up the rear in the other car, and we would just go. And we'd spend every weekend away, and uh, those are some of their their best memories. You know, They didn't know how we could do it, but I never told them I didn't have a plan.
2: Well, you know, no, don't do that. <laughs> There's always a plan. I never told them I didn't have a plan. Is, right? I, know. <laughs> I know. So I took off with
1: my grandsons. Now, my grandsons were, were still in high school. So I took off with them up north, and I didn't tell them or their mother. I really didn't have any plan for that first night. So my plan was to teach them how to rough it, and we stayed on a campsite inside the car, and we did uh, – the windows were fogged up, so we were doing hangman all night. And uh, my one grandson run down my battery on my computer, but um, this is what they told me later because I asked them, well, how was, how was that? <laughs> Our back-breaking stay, and then we had to pull my clothes down. So we could have blankets and stuff. You know, I had a I had a room to stay for the weekend, but not that night, for intentional reasons. So uh, yeah, they said that it was the happiest it would ever been in their whole life. That's what they said.
2: Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. And to hear
1: that out of a teenager, is pretty damn awesome. Absolutely,
2: you know, because we they, just they freewheeled really it.
1: I know, and you and you and you don't have to worry. And there's you know, there's no big deal. You can't get anywhere anyway. You know, yeah. so it's uh we had a good time and I'll never forget that. That I wanted them to feel, okay. So when we're leaving, um, there was a a a, a not a flock. What do you call it? a pod of deer? Anyway, a deer, some deer, and their babies Ooh. were walking in front. We we're leaving really early in the morning, and I pulled the car to a slow stop so they could walk right in front of us. And I was watching them, and I said, don't you see that? And they go, see what, Grandma? And they were staring right at them. And then I realized, you know, there is a problem with kids that can't see. I said, there's a flock of deer walking right by us in the front. So once I told them, they said, oh, my God, there's deer right there. <laughs> but they actually were – I don't know what my daughter was teaching them. The things that are important to me were important to her for some reason. So yeah. – I mean, when they say that you can't see something right in front of you because you don't have the experience, uh, that's what happened.
2: That's interesting. Like, it's like they never were programmed to see that, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like we were. That's what I said. We're used to it. Yeah. You know, that's how you grew up. Because we're we're used to
1: seeing what's, yeah, because we're we're looking out for that stuff. And of course, I've seen deer and all that, but they had no experience, they never saw it before. And then I just started questioning their mother and I almost kept them out of school, but I got them back cause I had to keep her face with me. So I made mm-hmm. it back. We made it, the sun was rising in Malibu. And I made it back in time to get back to here. And if you've never seen a sunrise in Malibu, you've seen something. It was beautiful. Right.
2: It would be. Yes. I, I, I never did get to see the one when I was people. down there, but yeah.
1: Well, I did it intentionally. So they would experience that, that, and, uh, they weren't too excited about it because I mean I had to go back to school. <laughs> I said I promised your mother. I didn't tell her about the first night, but I I just can't keep a kid out of school when I you know, I promised I'd be having back you know. So yeah, anyway, so uh, we would I kept we kept a constant talk about because to me being that age was all about you know what's hiding in the woods or what kind mm-hmm. of wolf man. So we discovered wolf people were living in this little town called Cambria and it's a beautiful little town
2: <laughs> Cambria I haven't heard, I've heard Cambria, of that actually. beautiful
1: yeah. little town nothing like what you got up there but this is like a new little New England town right at the ocean it's yeah. really beautiful so we made up all these vampire stories and all this we kept it rolling the whole weekend and then I spotted one I swear to God this man was so hairy he hadn't hair coming out of the cuffs of his shirt. <laughs> Is that bad? Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And I said, and there's one now. And they were just staring. We were having spaghetti. And they were staring at him. <laughs> that guy had That's a lot awesome. of hair. I know. It was so awesome because I'm all about creating all this stuff. You know, if it's not happening, we're going to imagine it's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, For absolutely. Kids because they need, they need this kind of mystery and stuff. So okay, Absolutely. now I want to hear about because I'll blab forever. I want to hear about your show. So tell us about what you're working on.
2: Well, we want to believe it's a it's a paranormal reality show, but we're doing it different than other paranormal reality shows. Because the, rea- the reality with most of those shows is that they are scripted, and uh, you know they they're the beholden to produce something every episode, like a scare or you know something like that. The reality of paranormal investigation is that that doesn't happen on a weekly basis. Um, a lot of the times you go to a location and nothing happens or, or you don't have much of anything yeah. or nothing that you can explain. So with Peter, because um, he's been doing, Peter Wren, who's the president of Vancouver Paranormal, he's been investigating for 27 years all over the world. He's from England. So he's done it everywhere and he's got a good reputation. Um, and so he's been approached hundreds of times to do shows by, you know, like Netflix you know, uh, Travel Channel, Discovery, and all that stuff. But he's always turned them down because he knows what goes on. He was a member of TAPS. And, of course, TAPS is associated with Ghost Hunters and yes, some of these other shows. That's right. So, and he's since no longer a part of TAPS. Um, so he and I were talking one day because he was approached once again by TV producer. This is after I came on. And he knew I have a film and journalism background. So he wanted me to kind of go to this meeting. And we went and we talked to the people. And it was pretty clear they didn't really have anything. But it planted a seed of an idea. So we decided... That we were going to do something, and we thought maybe the easiest route at first was a podcast. It was something we could do. We'd record audio, and I have a background in broadcasting. So we went to a place. It was a hotel here in the interior. It was quite a history, and sort of as a little promotion for the podcast, I recorded a uh, Facebook Live video, just sort of talking about what we were going to be doing. And a friend of mine named John Fallon saw the video, and John. Uh, runs a site called Arrow in the Head, which is part of the Joe Blow Movie Network, which is the biggest movie entertainment sort of site in the world. Um, and they were starting a, a new channel, and he needed programming. And he's like, Jay, don't do a podcast. You should shoot that for YouTube and do a YouTube show on it. And uh, John, I know John. He's made movies. He's been in the industry for a long time, so I knew it would be a good, legitimate platform to try this on. And I'm like, okay. I hadn't figured out how I was going to do it. I just said yes Um, because I hadn't shot anything for 20 years, and I didn't think I knew anybody with the equipment or any of that kind of stuff. But I agreed to it. I talked to Peter about it. Peter was on board as long as we presented it in a realistic light, like showing exactly what happens. So, And it pretty quickly came together that enough people I'd met through my contacts over the years, we could actually film something. We would have the the equipment. I knew someone that was an editor down in California who had made some documentaries. And so Mm -hmm. it all just kind of came together. And that's where we sort of did our first we did one investigation in February right before COVID hit that became kind of our first four episodes that we want to believe, which was called the demon jar. Um, we've since gone out and shot many more. We've just finished a two parter called the barn uh, on the fifth on Thursday. We launch our next one called the dollhouse, which is another two part. And we do one episode comes out a month. So we, you know, you can see how many months worth we've done. And we're, we've got enough episodes now running well into the new year, which includes like a Bigfoot foot hunt. Um, another one at this village, which has a number of weird, places and hauntings associated with it. And so we just go out, we shoot what we see and what happens. We don't play it up. We don't create any false scares. There's no script. I don't, we don't, I don't even kind of put together what the doc's going to, each episode is going to do up till after. And we just try to be real believable about it. We pitch it as an unhollywood approach to paranormal investigation. And that's what we try to do. And so far it's, it's been quite acclaimed people, especially people in the profession who've watched it, love it for that reason. Um, and they just find it entertaining, you know, in general audiences just find it entertaining, but people who understand the paranormal and what it's about and investigations really appreciate the approach that we go about and how we present what evidence we do find in kind of just a matter-of-fact way. And each investigation ends with us just letting the audience decide. Like we sort of show the evidence, be it auditory or physical or whatever, and just leave it at that uh, and then move on. So that's kind of what we do, and new one, we do a new one every month, and it's been a lot of fun to put together.
1: I think it's fabulous, and the, the more that you present just you know, the facts, it's better for the whole paranormal uh, genre because uh, there's – I hate to say how many fakes are out there. It's embarrassing. Oh, it is People embarrassing. People with their doctorates, their PhDs, lying. I mean it's embarrassing to me. I feel like as a human, like it's humiliating. There was oh, one who faked an alien and the same so-called alien was on the front lawn. And I went, Oh yeah, great. <laughs> then the same alien was uh, up in the tree and I went, Oh, that's a coincidence. I don't yep. know. One time an alien has set still long enough
2: for anybody to film it.
1: You know, it just isn't going to go like that.
2: Well, same with Sasquatch, you know what I mean? Or Bigfoot well, yeah. as we call it, you know, and and all that stuff. And I mean, and the worst is, like, I know, like, there's been some shows that I quite enjoyed, like uh, Paranormal State, but then stories came yes. up from people who had had these people come into their house saying, oh, they were talking about setting this up and that up. And what it does is, like, Paranormal Investigation already has a hard enough time anyways. Yeah. legitimacy. Then you have all these guys going out there and doing this stuff that makes it even harder. Right, on top of like the YouTube deep fakes that people just do for, for the fun of it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, yeah, so we're really trying to fight back against that by doing it the way that we're doing it. And it's been nice that it's been, and thank you for, for saying that, you know, that yes, the it's more it.
1: like a study and prevent pre- presenting the evidence. And then, you know, since we really don't have the answers, it's an honest way to wrap it up, you know, well, well yeah. this is you know, as much as we have, and because they're now saying. They're okay, this this is what I loved so much is that they some bright idea of a person, uh, they had some ancient uh jars and I, I know mm-hmm. you're gonna remember this. But then they started they found a way to play a needle against the jars so they could hear what was they actually heard people recording and they were being recorded while they were spinning these jars. They could hear the people talking and you know, it's kind of incredible that I think this is also an indelible thing that happens on buildings, you know, mm-hmm. themselves in areas, like you were talking about, that, that little uh, little fireside thing in the woods. I think that there is something that happens that is imprinted on the place and that someday we're going to know this is a fact, you know, and more mm-hmm. people – The deniers are so irritating, you know, let's say about UFOs. Now, me and my best friend and my sister saw a UFO, a -hmm. a UFO the size of a Volkswagen flying low on the freeway, believe it or not, coming up the slow lane. We were in the slow lane. It was coming towards us in the slow lane. And (laughs) it was an experience we never forgot, but it also opened our minds that things were happening all the time. And
2: All the time. I agree too completely.
1: Yes, all the time. And we just sort of put a block on it so we can just exist in the, um, I guess, in the kind of uh, homogenized culture that we're supposed to, supposed to be living in. Well,
2: that's what we're not told okay. to f- live in, right? Yeah, that's like, what we're told yeah. to live in. There's when it's not the
1: real truth. Go ahead.
2: Called Colin Wilson, he wrote a book called The Occult. It came out in the yeah. 70s. And he said that. He said we have everyone has this thing that he calls faculty X, and that's our ability to interact with this stuff around us. And we were way more in tune with it back, you know, when we were, like, living in the bush and tribes, you know what I mean, and in small groups. And then as we kind of became more cultured and created more societies and cities and all this stuff and created our system that we live in right now, we just don't use it as much because of all the noise that we've created around us, right? Yeah. Like we have to go to get up. We've got to go to work. We have our kids. We have school. We have all this other stuff. And we're told by the institutions that – It's not there, you know, in your quack, if you think about it, kind of thing like that. But everyone has that ability. Um, Some of us, say like yourself, are just more in tune with it for whatever reason, right? And are more willing to
0: experience it. And I
2: think a lot of people, when they do experience it, who aren't used to that and don't want to believe it, it's scary. And then it creates a whole other world of possibilities they don't want to deal with because they've grown up in the world that we're in right now and that in our world that we're supposed to be in, it doesn't exist. That's my sort of Cliff Notes idea. <laughs> well, notes no, ahead. I
1: mean, really, it's so true because I feel like we're missing out on so much because of that. That let's say the the closest to because I'm 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 a Greek Orthodox Christian, but mm-hmm. the closest to what I really believe is the First Nations people is the way I believe the religion is my beliefs is more akin to that, mm-hmm. and. That everything has a soul, that there's uh, all these different – they have names for all these be- be- beings. And uh, before – I mean, how could you explain them having knowledge of, let's say, dolphins were really people once upon a time, you know? Mm-hmm. And that it turns out dolphins do have that kind of intelligence, you know? hyper uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, hyper-intelligence, even probably stuff we can't even detect. They're so smart, you know. And um it's really strange. I'll talk to you on a strange one dolphin. I have a dolphin story, would you believe that? I got a story about everything okay. I have one about dolphins. <laughs> so remember <laughs> remember Sea Hunt that that or whatever that was about with those two kids and their father and the dolphins? Uh what was it? Flipper. Oh Flipper, not yeah, the I remember you know. that show, flipper, yeah, yeah. Okay, flipper. So I was highly depressed by Flipper. So my sisters, you know, you have to watch Consensus when you have so many kids in one house. You know, what's we're going to watch? So we had to watch Flipper. And I remember being highly depressed by Flipper. And pony rides also depressed me, like the ones that they have in uh, little fairs and stuff. I I was like a freaky little kid, okay? So pony rides (laughs) depressed me. Flipper depressed me. So anyway... So I found out the story on Flipper as an adult. I found this out last year. That Flipper had a relationship with one lady. And okay. Flipper kind of was – she was like a surrogate for Flipper. I don't know if she was a marine biologist or psychologist or whatever. But anyway, Flipper actually grew so depressed because she recorded his depression that he held his breath and he killed himself. Really? Yeah. Now are you sorry? I went on with my story. That is oh, what that's happened. What that's the first. <laughs>
0: that's so Poor flipper
1: committed suicide. He drowned himself. He
0: and then an animal the would show.
1: feel that... I know. Now it sucks. Now, now you know how bad that show is. But what they did was they highly trained him. He never got any freedom and they never let him go. They never let him have the freedom he really wanted. And I guess inside he always felt like he'd be free one day when he figured out they're never letting me go. But he he killed himself.
2: Look that's it up. Don't so let sad. him
1: leave me. It is sad. <laughs> it's like, Wait a I'm crying now. I'm not going sure to repeat that dolphin show. story ever again. <laughs> <That's>
0: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's <laughs> Way awful. Way to bring me down on the just night for Halloween, car.
1: <laughs> Well, now,
0: <laughs> yeah, reality
1: is worse than Halloween. That's that's the situation. It is. That's right. Because <laughs> that. we got Halloween's canceled. i just going to tell everybody. So uh, you know how they do the the little show up in Hollywood? That's canceled. Yep. So they're going to block off the streets if you, everybody tries to do a march or Halloween parade or whatever. So everything's canceled this year, I just thought so I let everybody know ahead of time. I'll oh, be man. the dolphin killer, Halloween killing <laughs> lady. Well, we're <laughs> uh,
2: we're actually able to do stuff here. We're doing kind of a scavenger hunt in in the yard for my son and his friends.
1: Yeah, um, we're decorating so tonight.
2: We're going to go out and decorate it and get the lights all set up and everything like that. Yeah, to kind of get it ready. To So we're going, going to do something for Halloween. You know, we have to do something. You, you have, have to. to I think that's. Yeah.
1: A, I think the scavenger uh, sort of Easter egg hunt thing is a good thing. Really, cause I think so. You can hide. Yeah, I think it's an excellent idea because you got to keep. You have to keep forging ahead for the kids.
2: Well, you do, and I mean, it's it's only going to be really one year, but you can still make it you know, fun and memorable, memorable. actually, I, and I saw it as a challenge to do that, right, like, to make it yeah. this year sort of extra special because of what's going on, so, you know, we'll just kind uh-huh. of truck on that way kind of thing, so. Cool.
1: Now, how old is he?
2: He'll be nine next month.
1: That's so, that perfect eight. age, too. Yeah. It's that tender a age. She just lost her teeth a couple years ago and they grew back. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love it every that. age. I,
2: and I know in, Three years, he won't want to talk to me. So, I mean, no, you better talk now. to him <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I raised teenagers, as much as I loved every age they were, even from you know being born before they were born, I loved them every age. They were a challenge as a teenager. I still loved them, but that's despite themselves. You yeah, know exactly, what I mean? right? My I, daughter was I've... the worst, so. <laughs>
2: I have a couple friends that got started early with kids, and he has teens. A couple of them have teens, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to
1: this. (laughs) No, it'll just keep the – try to keep the communication going, you know what I
2: mean? Absolutely. They'll
1: just – but they start giving those one-word answers, nothing,
2: nobody, nowhere. That's already starting, right? So it's like, no, I'm just going to keep pushing until I get something out of you. Keep pushing
1: because you're – well, for the way they feel about dad is they always carry their heart on their sleeve for you. So, uh, yeah, to be a loving, kind father and a teacher father is the best thing in the world for a kid. Because mom, That's they take for it. granted that you have to love them. You know what I mean? Every kid thinks well, I, mom I, I has do. to love me. You know, but father, I they're do. kind of it's about they don't know if you really do. I just take the it hate. or leave it. Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> know about you brats.
0: But you know, daddy, dad,
1: sorry, dad means the most, really. Yeah. So, you, I I congratulate you on all your projects, and you have a book coming out, don't you?
2: Yeah, we just signed the contract on Monday with Beyond the Fray Publishing, myself and Peter. Uh, So we're excited. So it'll be out sometime in the next year, and it's called "I Want to Believe: One Man's Journey into the Paranormal," and it chronicles Peter's career. Back from when he was a kid all the way through till when we started doing the show the last chapter is kind of when we want to believe the series started and how that all happened so it's sort of yeah it's, it's been great and you know a big thanks to g michael hoff and shannon LeGrow of beyond the fray uh for taking a shot on this book and they're happy with it and we're excited about it and can't wait to for people to read it me i'll definitely either. let you you know send you a copy Yes, yeah, yeah, please let me out. know
1: please do please do cuz I'm a real reader and uh I still uh, I I have now I have everything going the Kindle and the paperbacks and the, uh all kinds of I I just discovered a new author uh, uh, Jesse Stewart and he was oh. uh, I don't know if you've ever read anything but he's I gone and but he's gone it. in he's gone past he wrote a lot about his teaching history and stuff like that and uh, I really recommend it for for everybody to start reading uh, reading him because it's really down-to-the-earth stuff. And they're from Kentucky. And, boy, they were mean back then. People take pot shots at T-shirts. They shot at him and everything else is because they like what oh. he was doing. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy, and he's such an eloquent a writer and a good person. I just discovered him because of uh, – Another writer, she's a psychic healer. She said that was a that was a, one of her turning points as a kid was reading him. So every kid should really read about this guy, you know. Absolutely. But, he, had, but he was at the teachers and how good he was with his students, and he'd have you know six foot people in first grade. You know what I mean? Oh. So it was. Yeah. It's, yeah. I know it was really uh, unusual. The room room schoolhouses and all the – how he found kids that had the harshest uh, things. He only ate, ate like a baked potato for lunch and they didn't, didn't have any shoes even during the winter. And they were the kindest and most open-minded. You know, just the things he talks mm-hmm. about. Jesse Stewart. So now I'm, I'm craving his books. Yeah, I just finished my, my uh, first one today, so I'm on to the next but it's a, he's old school, but you know you're getting a lot of this uh, tradition where he was the newest teacher, you know the, mm-hmm. the new ideas, and he felt like teaching could save our country, and I think the proper teaching could save our country. You I
0: get agree completely. You some people that
1: really care, a teacher that really cares, because he was teaching them everything from there was everything from he was even getting there to play sports with them or do he did he taught them. I mean, need to be taught, uh, teach, and his kids would start start to win championships and stuff like that. That's amazing. And uh, I know, and some of his kids grew on to be teachers. So I highly advise somebody if you want to read something like that. And he has all kinds of poetry and stuff. So I just got turned on to that, and I just want to pass on the message to everybody else. So I know Jason, you got to go get to that kids and get start your Halloween. I wish you a very happy Halloween. God bless you and yours.
2: Oh, and thank and you so much, Sharon. Good luck Char, with
1: everything.
2: Uh, same to you, and, you know, have a happy Halloween. Stay strong down there. And I, I I'm will. confident that in, you know, the future, that the world will be back to so at least a new form of something that we can go out and enjoy Halloween again in another year. Yes. You know what I mean? The old-fashioned <laughs> old yes. way. Um, and yeah. I had a great time chatting with you tonight so much. Me too. I, to I really enjoy talk enjoyed to talking again. to you
1: Okay, take this care, and God bless you and your family. Take you care. You as well. Take care, Char. Okay, bye-bye take care bye bye
2: bye
1: bye bye so uh just just a fascinating interesting young guy, Jason Hewlett, and you could get his books coming out and I' be able to get a copy you can get you could tweet. he's at tweet at at jason hewlett seventy two you can find him on twitter. And, of course, I, I found him and friend him on Facebook. But he has a lot of interesting things going, him and his friends, and the new book coming out. And, of course, the series, we want to believe that it's highly recommend his series and his approach to things. And I, I believe in honesty and integrity, especially in the world that uh, so many people are just goofing around. Well, anyway – well, I didn't want to go out and say lying, but I can say, it. yes, they probably are lying. So anyway, so I have a little uh, snippet that I'm going to play from Ray Cordell. He's my friend. He's a singer from Scotland, and I really love this one song of his. So I'm going to play the little jingle, and I, uh, which will tell you how to get a hold of his stuff. So listen carefully, and here he is, Jake, Ray Cordell.
0: Hi, this is Ray Cordell, and I'd like to invite you to check out my new album, The Long Road, which is out on Friday, the 20th of November, 2020. Now, it's a compilation album, a best of, if you like, and it features 18 original tracks written by myself over the years. So, if you'd like a copy, it's out everywhere from that date, on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube Music, Spotify, everywhere. Well, there's also a limited number of CDs available. If you'd like a CD, a signed CD, maybe... You can message me via Ray Cordell Music on Facebook or via this page. So get in contact, and I hope you enjoy it. In the meantime, keep on rocking. Cheers.
1: Okay, so I'm going to play this one song by Ray Cordell, One Life. Ray Cordell, you can get a hold of him on Facebook also. Ray Cordell, one life.
0: I'm allergic, but I just can't let you go. Because the feelings that I have for you. From the moment that I saw your beauty shining I just knew that you're the one, the one I love You're the stars, the moon and all that lives around me But you're gone and my heart will never feel the same So I wrote this song, I hope you think about me but where are you now? Can't you feel my pain? But hold on, I just need to live. My life goes so on. I have beauty around me, and now I finally found it. That's just one life and you really need. to Take it, but please don't fake it. I'll make it last and take care.